0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn his truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. Be picking up where we left off last week at verse 19. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. John 19, uh, 1, 19 through 28. Allow me to read this passage to us. This is a testimony of John, when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful for the truths that you have preserved for us through your word. And Lord, to see and hear the testimony of John the Baptist. Lord, to see that he chose not to talk about himself or to to identify who he was or how great he was or anything about himself, but everything he said pointed to Christ. Lord, help us to have that same heart, that same mind, that same attitude. Lord, to consider ourselves as nothing, but that you are everything. Lord, help us to always point to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Guide us in our studies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in this passage, we again see John the Baptist. Uh, he continues to testify about Jesus. One thing you're going to notice is that no matter what they ask him, John deflects the question back to Christ. He, he doesn't want anybody to worry about who he is or his status in life or anything else. He simply wants them to know why he's there, and his testimony is all about Jesus. We do know from other Gospels, not the Gospel of John, a little bit more about uh, his coming about. We do know of his miraculous birth that his parents, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, were past the age of childbearing years, but the Holy Spirit spoke to Zacharias in the temple and said, You shall have a son, and his name shall be John, and he shall be the forerunner of the coming Messiah. And so that all came to pass. As a matter of fact, when... Uh, Mary the mother of Jesus uh, found out she was pregnant she went to visit who we assume is her cousin Elizabeth and stayed with her for a while and Mary and her infancy of pregnancy and uh, Elizabeth probably about six months along uh, met together and this baby John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb and that's just an amazing thing he already knew he was in the presence of Messiah of the Son of God and so we know all these things and we know that He was commanded by God. He was sent by God to be the forerunner, to to show and prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. We don't know how old he was, but sometime younger in his uh, life, he actually left home and went out to live in the wilderness. And the Bible says that he wore camel skins and a leather belt, and his diet was locusts and honey. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that probably get old after a while. And just just imagine, I don't know if he had a tent or if he had a cave or what he did for a dwelling place, but he basically li- lived in solitude, preparing himself, allowing God to prepare him for what was yet to come. Kind of reminds me a little bit about Moses when he was tending sheep for his uh, father-in-law. Uh, for uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Anyhow, he's tending sheep out in the wilderness. He left Egypt, left the Pharaoh's family. And went out in the wilderness to tend sheep. And it was there that God was preparing him for what was yet to come. So we look and we see John the Baptist being prepared for this day. Uh, We know that he comes in from the wilderness to the Jordan River. And he begins baptizing people. Now who does he baptize? Well he baptized Jewish people. And here's his, his, his sermon repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand very simple pretty much like jonah did when he went to nineveh very simple repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now the jewish people were a little bit different they didn't think they needed salvation they surely didn't believe that they needed to be baptized they believed that they were children of abraham and followers of the laws of Moses. And they didn't see any need to be saved or to be baptized. Well, who was it that was being baptized? In that day, it was the Gentiles who were being proselytes. That simply means that they were Gentiles, they were non-Jews, but decided to be followers of the Jewish faith. And so part of becoming a a follower of of the Jewish faith was to be circumcised, to take on the, the, the beliefs and the traditions of the Jews. And many of them would become baptized simply as a way of saying, I want to purify myself of my Gentile ways and to follow the pure religion or the faith of the Jews. And so the only people at that time were they were being baptized typically were Gentiles. And now Jews were flocking out into this Jordan River Valley, hearing the message of John the Baptist, and they were convicted that they were sinners. Amazing. They didn't think that they needed salvation, but all of a sudden they feel convicted that they were sinners. And so John was calling them to repentance. And as they repented, he basically baptized them as a sign that they were repentant of their sins. And why was he doing this? Here's the simple fact that we need to understand today. We need to understand this today. Before anybody can come to salvation they must first understand that they're sinners in need of salvation. Do you all understand that? This is is John's purpose. This is our purpose today. Before anybody can receive salvation, they must understand that they are sinners, that they have sinned against God, and that they need salvation. And then what John does is he points them to the Savior. Later on, we're going to see where he says, Behold the Lamb of God, Who comes to save man from sin. So we look and we see that John was convicting the Jews who didn't think that they needed convicting. They thought that they were okay because they were children of Abraham, because they were followers of the Mosaic Law. But they came under conviction that they had somehow sinned against God and that they needed to repent. Then he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as a sign of their repentance. Now, we've got to understand, John's baptism did not save them. It was just a simple washing of the understanding that I'm a sinner. They wanted to repent, and this repentance needed a sign. It it was kind of like a seal of approval. I have repented of my sins, uh, and my sign is by being baptized. And so that baptism by John was not a baptism for salvation. Matter of fact, did you know what? What? The baptism we do in here or anywhere else is not for salvation. It's simply a symbol of what has taken place in our heart. We, we practice immersion baptism as Baptists, and that immersion baptism is a picture of the death going down under the water, burial, and the resurrection coming up out of the water. We die to our sins, we're buried with Christ, we rise to walk in newness of life. That is not salvation itself. We have already received salvation through our confession of our sins and surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. Baptism is simply a symbol of what has already taken place in our hearts. And so now we see that somebody's taking notice that Jews are being baptized. It's an unusual thing to happen. And who's taking notice? Well, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem are taking notice. And so they send out a delegation a priest, and Levites, and we know that they're coming out from the Pharisees of the Jewish uh, leadership. And here's their question. Who are you? And obviously, the way they ask that, John makes the assumption that they're thinking that he must be the Messiah or claiming to be the Messiah. And so they ask the question, who are you? By John's answer, we make that assumption that that their, their their question is, "Are you him? Are you the one?" Well, you got to understand one thing: there have been many people who had crossed this area claiming to be the Messiah. There have been many false messiahs who have come, and they all were wanting to gather followers and to kind of develop a cult and. Uh, they just wanted the prestige of people following them. They wanted the power and the clout that they got from it. But they all fell away because they were not true messiahs. And so they were trying to figure out, are you just another one of these false messiahs that's trying to get a gathering of people? Are you the real one? And so here's what John says. Notice what he says in verse 20. And he confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed. confessed. Now, folks, what is that saying? John is emphatically saying, I'm not him. I want you to make sure I'm confessing. I'm denying openly. I'm confessing one more time. I'm not the one. I am not the Messiah. And so I'm not the Christ. So John is doing everything in his possible way to say, don't look at me as anything. I am not the Messiah. I've come to prepare the way for the Messiah, but I am not him. So, you know, can you imagine the temptation that John may have felt to, to receive that kind of recognition? You, you must be the Messiah. Are you him? Yeah, look at all my following. But he didn't. He emphatically denied it. And so they ask another question. Well, then, are you Elijah. John says, I'm not Elijah. Why in the world would they think that he is Elijah? we got to go back in the Old Testament and find out. Did you know that Elijah did not die? Did you know that? You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Maybe you want to make a jot in your notes. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. And they were going along and talking. This is Elijah and Elisha. And behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. So the Jewish people believe that since Elijah never truly died, that he would be the one who would come back and prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And they had a lot of reasons to believe that. If you go over to Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger. And he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, saith the Lord of hosts. Then a little bit later in Malachi, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Well, the Bible says that Elijah will come before the Messiah. But if you read what Malachi says, first of all, he says, suddenly he will come to his temple. When Jesus appeared, did he immediately come to the temple? No. In the latter part, I'm going to send you, Elijah, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. When's that going to take place? Not in his first coming, but his second coming. So, Elijah will come, but not at the first coming of the Messiah. At the second coming, he will come. And so, they, they didn't understand that there's going to be a first and a second coming of, of the Messiah. So, they just assumed that Elijah would come first. And we would probably think the same thing if we were in their shoes. But we do look and we see that Luke actually helps clarify what we're looking at. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready for the people prepared for the Lord. So Luke shows that this coming one, John the Baptist, is not Elijah, but he is coming in the strength and the power and the spirit of Elijah. And he's coming for that one reason, to turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord, preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And so John was correct in saying, no, I am not Elijah. He was not Elijah, but he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Then they asked, well, are you the prophet? Well, who is the prophet? Well, you got to go back to Deuteronomy, back to Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 18, we'll look at two verses, 15 and 18. The Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You will listen to him, and I will rise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Well, if you really examine who that prophet is talking about, it's really talking about Jesus. He's going to be the one who will speak the words of God to his people. And so the people just did not understand these things, and it's even difficult for us to fully understand them. But once again, John just simply said, no, not him either. So three different questions. Who are you, assuming are you the Messiah? No, I am not the Christ. Well, are you Elijah? Nope, not Elijah either. Well are you the prophet? No. Can you imagine being that committee, that delegation that came to find out who John is? How far have you gotten so far? Well, we know who he isn't. But who is he? Well, that's what we find them asking in verse 22. Then who are you? Tell us, because we need to give an answer to those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? Now, if somebody asked that question to you, what would you answer? Well, I'm Steve Galloway. My parents are Hayward and Doc Galloway. I've got a sister named Barbara. I live in Starkville, Mississippi. I'm pastor at First Baptist Macon, Mississippi. Is that what they're wanting to find out? Are they trying to find out his heritage, his status in life? Are they trying to find out, you know, what does he mean to the people around him? You know, Why why are people flocking to him? Who are you? Well, John, again, has no desire to talk about himself. The only answer he gives is why he is there. And that's what we see in verse 23. It's actually a quote out of Isaiah. He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. I am a voice of one. Crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Still not telling you who I am. But here's why I am. I'm simply a voice. Now, if you go back to the first part of John chapter 1, it talks about the word. Well, John says, I am a voice, but I'm not the word. I'm a voice speaking about the word. Who is Jesus? John could have easily said, I'm a lampstand showing the light that Jesus is. Basically, everything that John does is pointing to Jesus. Make sure you understand that. He's not pointing to himself. He's not taking any kind of credit, any kind of fame or fortune or anything about himself. He's saying, everything is deflecting away from me. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm nobody. I am simply a voice. Now, here's something John did not do that he could have easily have done. If you go back to Luke and others where they talked about John's, that God sent him. As a matter of fact, we even see it here in uh, John chapter 1. A man sent by God. He could have said, I was specially chosen by God Almighty to come and tell you to repent of your sins. Did John do that? He could have boasted easily because it was the fact. But he doesn't do that. He simply deflects one more time. I'm simply a voice crying in the wilderness to make way, a straight way for the Lord. That's all that John wants to do is deflect from himself and point people to Jesus. So he's simply a voice, and that defines John's ministry. He's a witness. He, has, he is testifying about Jesus. He's testifying what he knows to be the truth. What is the truth? Jesus. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by, God, by him. And so we look and we see that they don't recognize who he is. And the problem is they don't recognize Jesus either. We're going to see that in just a moment. But John knows in his heart. He's been inspired by the Lord to call people out on their sin. Repent. Repent. What does that mean? Confess that you are a sinner. Repent means turn away from your sinful ways. That's what John's message is. He's preparing the way for the Savior. You first have to get people to understand that they're sinners, that they're in need of a Savior before they're willing to accept the Savior. That's what John's doing. And then he's pointing people to the Savior. Verse 24, they finally ask the question. Why in the world are you baptizing then? If you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the coming prophet that we've been told about, then who gives you the authority, who gives you the power, and why are you baptizing? Well, John simply says, I only baptize with water. It's just a symbol. It's a symbol of people repenting of their sins. That's really all he's saying. However, there is one among you who stands that you do not recognize, you do not know. The question is, was Jesus present with them at that time? Was he a part of the crowd around these, this delegation that came to John? A lot of people think that he was that he had not yet, at that point, been baptized and began his earthly ministry. Others believe that he was just in the region, that he had already been baptized and began his earthly ministry. That's really more of what I believe, is that he had already faced uh, it was 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, uh, tempted by Satan, he'd already been baptized, and he was in this area. He would already began his ministry, people were starting to hear about him. But the Jews are basically ignorant. You do not know who he is. And John is saying, by the way, he's something special. He is so great, I'm not even worthy to stoop before him and unfasten his sandals. Now, basically, the rabbis of that day kind of saw it as if their, their pupil came to them, that their pupil was really... Uh, in a position where they should not even untie their sandals. It's a humbling thing. But John said, you know, in that day, people, a servant would come and take the sandals off of a guest and wash their feet. He said, I'm not even worthy to do that. I'm not worthy to even touch the feet of my Savior, Jesus. And so, what does he say? He says, he's special. And here's what I want to do. I want to point you to him. I'm not the one. I'm only baptizing with water. Later on, we'll find that uh, he will come to baptize you with the spirit, with life, eternal life. That's yet to come. John's just simply saying, I'm doing this as a symbol of repentance. There's one who's come much greater than me. That's who I want to point you to. So we end with verse 28. And it says that John did these things. They took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, there's not a lot of importance to this other than this. There were two Bethanies. I think the King James and New King James used a different word for Bethany. It's Bethara. Well, the actual manuscripts say Bethany. For some reason, some of the translators believe that John mistakenly called it Bethany when it was Bethara. I don't think there's really mistakes in the Bible. And John specifically said the Bethany that is beyond the Jordan, not just Bethany. See, there's another Bethany. It's just right outside of Jerusalem. Do you know who was famous there? Mary, Martha, Lazarus. These were friends of Jesus. That's where Jesus stayed. That's where Jesus came right before he was, uh, went into Jerusalem to be crucified. That's where he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's just a couple miles outside of Jerusalem. Now we're close to the Jordan River. The Jordan River, there is a Bethany. We don't know where it is. All we know is what the biblical uh, stances say about it but many archaeologists have found some evidence uh, just north of the Dead Sea along the Jordan River where they believe that this may have been. Uh, There are many baptismal sites that have been built along that area believing that this is where John was baptizing people. That really doesn't have much to say other than John's showing where it was that he was baptizing. But here's the most important part. Later on, we're going to see this in John chapter 3, verse 30. John says this, He must increase, and I must decrease. What's John saying? No matter how much God has used me, no matter who I am, I need to be less and less and less. And I need Jesus to be more and more and more. That's a sign of humility. That means that we, as children of God, are blessed beyond measure because God has given us the the greatest gift of life, eternal life, salvation from our sins. But that doesn't make us anybody special. Instead, we ought to be like John. We need to deflect anything about ourselves and instead reflect Christ, point others to Jesus Christ. As Savior and Lord. And that's what he is saying. I must decrease so that he must in, He can increase. Uh, remember what I've already said two or three times? you got to get people lost before you get them saved. You have to make sure that people understand that they are sinners. That they are in need of salvation. And that they need a Savior. That's what John was doing out in the wilderness. He was telling people that they were sinners. They needed to repent of their sins. His baptism was simply a sign of their repentance. But what do we do today? Did you know that there are still sinners in the world? As a matter of fact, we're a room full of them. We are all sinners. How do I know that? Romans chapter 3, verse 23, part of the Roman road. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He knows that word all. Every one of us has sinned. Unfortunately, we continue to sin. But that one verse tells us that universal everybody sins against God. Everybody. There's no perfect person other than Jesus. And then Romans chapter 6, verse 23 For the wages or the penalty of sin is death. And that is simply total, eternal separation from God. Eternal death. What it's talking about. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you first have to say, you are a sinner. Because of your sins, you deserve eternal death, eternal separation from God. But God has a gift that he wants you to have. It is his gift of eternal life. And there's only one way to receive it. Through his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what John is doing in this simple passage. He's saying, we have all sinned. We have all come short of God's glory. We need to repent of our sins, turn away from our evil ways, because we deserve death. I'm now going to point you to the gift of life. And his name is Jesus. Now, we're not quite there yet. John has not yet quite pointed that out, but he is going to say these words, Behold, The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I know that I have misquoted that passage multiple times. Because I often say, who takes away the sins of the world. Look at your Bible. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Sin universal. All sin. Wow. What a Savior. In other words, no sin is too great for him to forgive. No sin is too great that cannot be overcome by the power of our Savior. Do you know that's the testimony of what John is sharing? He's first showing people their need for salvation. You're sinners. I'm nobody. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm just simply a voice making straight the way of the one who's yet to come. Why are we here today? Why are we here today? If there wasn't a purpose for us to remain here, then the moment that we receive salvation, I think we'd just be snatched up into heaven. Don't you? But God has left us here for a reason. It's to be a testimony. To testify of what... Jesus is to us. We can do that in so many different ways. We can share the Roman road or or many other uh, plans of salvation that show us that we're sinners, that we're in need of a Savior. You know another way of simply doing that without Scripture? Share your own personal testimony. I hope that part of your testimony is there was a time in my life that I realized that I had sinned against God and that my course in life was heading towards destruction eternal death destruction i knew that i deserved hell in other words that should be part of your testimony but i came to the point in my life where i was introduced to the answer to my sin i knew that i was sinner i knew where i was headed i was heading to hell but i met jesus i found out that he had the power to forgive me of my sins and to instead give him me eternal death, he's given me his gift of eternal life. And I've placed my faith in him. I believe that God raised him from the dead. That he died for my sins. i am placed my faith in him. i am surrendering my life to him. I want him to be Lord of my life. How your testimony goes, the main thing is you need to understand and to share with somebody else. is that you are a sinner bound for hell. That you... Recognize Jesus as the answer to your sins. That he died for your sins. He rose to show that he was victorious over the penalty of sin, which is death. And that he is Lord of your life today. So whether or not you share the Roman road of salvation. Or some other plan of salvation. Or share your personal testimony. We need to be like John. Deflect off of who we are. You know. Folks, we all have something to brag about, about who we are. We can brag about our heritage, about our jobs, about our family. We can brag about our wealth or whatever we want to brag about. We all have something we can brag about. John refused to do that. Like I said, he could have really boasted, you know, God sent me for a special reason. I'm here because God had a special calling on my life. And that was the truth. He could have easily bragged about that, but he didn't. So we need to quit thinking about who we are and think about why we're here. The only reason why we're still here is pointing people to Christ. That really is the only reason why we're still here. And we need to be a, do a better job of it, myself included. We need to look at the opportunities that God gives us daily, weekly, monthly basis where we come in contact with somebody that we know in our heart has never received that gift of salvation. They've never prayed to receive Christ. They, they don't have a relationship with the Lord. And we need to find a way. Whether it's sharing our personal testimony. Whether it's to share a plan of salvation. Whether it's to invite them to a worship service like this. Where they can hear this message. Notice in our uh, little bulletin. This message is going to be on podcast. By the middle of this week. You can say, by the way, you can hear this message by downloading it. You can can pull it up online and listen to it. So there are ways that you can lead people to Christ. Folks, we're not all John the Baptist. We were not destined before we even were conceived to be a special messenger of God. But God still chose us. He still said, when you... Surrendered your life to my son Jesus. Accepted him as Lord of your life. Confessing your sins. You became my child. And I have a purpose for you. Go ye therefore into all the world. Making disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you throughout the ends of the world. Or you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, be my witnesses wherever you are. Whether you're in Macon, whether you're in Knoxby County, whether you're in Mississippi, whether you're in the United States, whether you're in some other part of the world, be my witnesses. That's what God is telling us. We need to be more like John, be less concerned about who we are and be more concerned about who Jesus is and other people's needs for him. Let's bow together. Lord, we do come to you thanking you for the gift that we have received as children of God, knowing that we have confessed our sinfulness, that, Lord, we have surrendered our hearts and our lives to the Lordship of Christ. Lord, the act of baptism that we went through, Lord, it was nothing magical. It was not a part of salvation. It was just a wonderful, beautiful symbol of what had already taken place. Lord, the baptism of John was just a symbol of people's repentance of their sin. Our baptism is a beautiful symbol of not only our repentance of our sin, but dying to self and rising anew in Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives. Lord, may we be reminded of that daily and that we still have a reason to be here. Lord, that's to be a testimony to others. Tell people to know, first, they're sinners. The wages of our sin is death, eternal, total, eternal separation from you. And then, Lord, our prayers that you will help us to lead them to the truth. That we can be a voice like John, speaking about the word, the truth, Jesus. Helping them to see that Jesus is the answer to our sin debt. That he is your gift of salvation and eternal life. Help us be found faithful. Give us the word to say. Give us the spirit in which to say it. Help us to identify those in which to share it with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.